Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am so excited that we have a special guest who also falls under the category of highly referred, please let's get Dr. Yvonne on the podcast. So with us today is Yvonne McSkimming, and she told me that it's only doctor if you're a dink to her. So (laughs) welcome. I'm going to call you you. Yvonne because I hope I'm not a dink. How about that? No. No, you're all good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you were highly referred to us and people said, we want to hear from you. And it's... it's That's frightening, but that's very humbling. No, it's wonderful because the work you're doing, I think, far exceeds anything people can find out about you on the internet, which is exactly what we love on this podcast. However, it would be remiss of us to not start there. So the work you're doing with Synergy, can you dive in and can we start there? And and then we're going to take it on a bit of a tour, perhaps, to your home turf. Uh, Sure. You you know, Synergy came about 23 years ago, myself and my music partner, Mark James Fortin, we were touring, we were doing a a specific tour in Nashville. And, you know, way back then, you either went to Nashville or Los Angeles, if you were looking for publishing deals as a singer songwriter. Uh, And we opted out to go to Nashville. And, you know, we, we were really, we did really well, we just didn't, like the sort of the the deals that were being presented the music industry is very different now than it was then and we came back home and we're at the time we were also very committed working within the social service sector mark was running a a school program for at-risk teenagers male and females in north vancouver i was working at the time with hollyburn family services managing the family support program we both had been in the social service sector probably at, by, at that time easily, you know, a good 10 years. It's, it, you know, the music piece for us, it, it's not that it, it was super important. It was a passion of ours and, and we knew we had some opportunity, but you, you know, you need to have something as a backup when you're doing anything to do with the arts to make sure you've got, you can put food on the table and pay bills. So working within the social service sector made sense. When we went to Nashville and we toured around, one of the things that we noticed was that people participated in performances and they did this in in the style of in the round. So they would have three or four people in a circle and then each artist would take a turn presenting a song. And the places were packed. They weren't big, all these different venues. They weren't massive, like three or 400 stage places, but they were, they were large enough and, and they were packed every every night. And we, you know, we did really well. We started off at really disgusting hours at like two in the morning, three in the morning. And then all of a sudden people were like, no, 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 no. You need to bump these guys up. Um, and, and we did get seen by executives and all that kind of stuff, which was, which was lovely, which was an interesting journey. <laughs> it's like dealing with a whole whack of used car salesmen. It's creepy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there were lovely people there too. Don't get me wrong. But when we came home, we wanted, you know, we kind of really wanted to do something different. And one of the most admirable elements of Mark and there's very many admirable elements of Mark James Morton is that he really goes with my wacky creative side so when I come to the table to say hey Mark do you think we could try and do something like da 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 he just looks and goes well okay if you're gonna do it I'm I'm with you so I wanted to blend the work that we do with uh, within the social service sector 
with social responsibility, with arts, and to create an opportunity where charities could learn collaboration skills, practice those collaboration skills, and then on top of that, earn much needed funding to support programs that were being driven or requested by their clients. Hmm. So in doing that, they weren't fighting for a donor base or a sponsor base or a grant base with you know thousands of other charities. We would pay, we would host, we would have hold all the financial responsibility of a monthly singer-songwriter showcase. Everybody attached to the songwriter showcase would donate their time, and everybody does. Mm-hmm. Everybody attached to Synergy is a volunteer. Nobody gets paid, even me, nobody. Wow. Uh, and it's all about community capacity building. It's all about understanding that for people to have a sense of empathy and a sense of place and a sense of belonging, you have to come to the table, not with your hand reaching out for something, but your hand extending to give something. And basically that's kind of, you know, how it all, it all started. We kind of kicked off our first show at the Anza Club in Vancouver. I did all the food at the time. So the show's an interesting piece, right? You come, it includes a dinner, it includes a meal because we believe in breaking bread with that people need to do that. Because once people go home after work, God forbid you'll ever get them back out. So we wanted it to be something where they broke bread, they shared in a meal, they had a chance to sit and chat. We would showcase three different artists each set with Mark, myself, and then uh, at the time it was Kim Kuzma. She was a staple here in Vancouver for a, a very long time. Then we moved to Leslie Alexander, and now we've had Beverly Elliott for the last, I'm going to say, 10 years. And we would look to have charities be able to develop collaboration skills in the sense that they would sit and work with us to coordinate a particular plan of action. Like what do you, what awareness do you want to bring to the table? What do you want people to understand more about you? And what kind of funding do you want to raise through this show? And we would help them coordinate all of that. And then through the space of being able to do the event, they're able to practice those skills and they don't have to worry about paying for anything because we're hosting, we're paying the cost of it all. So they really just get to focus in on what partnerships do we want to build? What partnerships do we want to enhance? What is it that we want to build on? What is it that we want to try and make sure that we've got support some place for the clients we serve? So in our 23 years, and we just celebrated our 23rd anniversary this past July, I think we're at, I think it's about 2.5 million for 57 different, um, you know, local, local charities, which is huge right now for the last 10 years, we've been at the Vancouver Rowing Club, which is a stunning location. And we have a group of sponsors that are very generous with us because we're not a one-time event. We, we happen nine to 11 shows in the year. So, you know, we don't get anything for free, but with sponsorship, we're able to sort of maneuver our way through it to um, make it be reasonable so that what we have to do fundraising for ourselves to make sure we can host the show it's within it's within reason it costs us about between 50,000 a year and 60,000 a year to do all of what it is we do which is quite quite extensive on the back end of that we'll have charities raise anything from say you know five to twenty five thousand dollars a night you know at, at the rowing club the rowing club has a size component to it you can really only fit 180 people in there, but based on what it is that charities want to be able to raise. And these are smaller charities. These aren't big ticket charities that have massive reserves in their accounts. These are the little grassroots charities that are desperately needing support and desperately needed within their community. So we try to target those folks 
that, you know, $5,000 makes the world a difference, right? In relation to them being able to operate and stay afloat or not. Yeah. That's what we've, that's kind of what we've been doing. So part of the mantra, part of what we, we look to encourage people to do is to build connections and a synergy beyond us so that charities can start to learn how to make connections that are not based on um, adversarial relationships. It's more based on what is it, what is it that you have? What is it that I have? If we're supporting the same people, how can we help each other? So an example would be one year, a couple of years, we had Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sport as one of the charities. And we also had the North Shore Disability Resource Association as a charity. Both of those organizations serve people with physical challenges. Now, the North Shore folks also serve people with mental development challenges. Well, the North Shore Resource folks wanted an opportunity and they couldn't, they just couldn't figure out how to be able to do it because it's actually quite expensive to have ski equipment that can support people that have physical disabilities. That's what Vancouver Snow Sports does, Adaptive Snow Sports meets. They, they look to make sure that people that have physical challenges have the opportunity to participate, you know, doing snow sports, whatever those snow sports are. Based on these two charities being able to connect through us, they were able to build a, you know, a, a different type of relationship beyond their connection with us that allowed them to share equipment so that clients that would have never been able to participate in any snow sport activities through North Shore Resource Association were then able to do it. That's the power behind all of this. It's about trying to create these moments of magic where there isn't anything that is impeding upon anyone to be able to come to the table to genuinely be able to recognize what is it that we can do to make somebody's life a little different or enhance the possibility of opportunity for them. That was long. I'm sorry. You mustn't <laughs> apologize at all. It's, it's so wonderful to know that humans like you exist in the world and care about doing work like this in the world. And what's notable, or I mean, incredibly noteworthy is this isn't even your day job. No, it's this not. Is, this is called a really incredible hobby. And the yeah. fact that it costs money to orchestrate the fact that you're not doing this one time a year, but as many times a year as you are. And it really is for the underdog. It's for these organizations that, you know, wouldn't have this support otherwise. I just think it's so incredible. So thank you. I mean, I'm sure, I hope you hear that every, every time you put these on, but thank you for sharing the story and for all the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not just me. I mean, of you know, the magic, the magic of what it is we do. I mean, yes, Mark and I are catalysts in, in mm -hmm. creating a space and a type of energy for people to come to the table. But it's really all about these different individuals that, you know, kind of go, well, this is different. Mm. And this is kind of cool. And this is really what we should be doing across the board with everybody. And we kind of look at each other and go, yeah, it should be. Yeah. It's not about it's, you know, maybe it's, I'm I'm sort of aging myself when I talk about this. Maybe it's just the way that I was raised. Um, I'm pushing 60, and I was I was raised from a place of if you're going to live in a community, you have to support the community. So you have to figure out what it is that you're contributing to it, not just financially. You have to do that, but also through your time mm -hmm. and um, through direct face-to-face -face engagement. And with technology, that's. It's, it's an issue. It's a big issue because technology opens the world, but it makes us more isolated and people are losing yeah. skills and an understanding around the value of, of human contact 
and what that brings to the table in terms of empathy, understanding, not being divisive, celebrating diversity, coming mm. to the table to recognize that, you know, we're all worth it. It doesn't, it doesn't, I'm going to learn more from somebody that doesn't have the same views and perception of the world as I do. And as much as that might challenge me, I'm going to learn. Mm. So I want to be able to have that as opposed to not being able to have that. And right now we need more of, of that in the world because there's a lot of heartache going on. Yeah. So, you know, we just create an opportunity for magic. And if we honor that, if we're doing that correctly, that's exactly what happens. Magic happens. Yeah, you're making magic. Well, I want to speak about something that's magical. And we touched on this before we hit record. But another very interesting piece of the Dr. Yvonne story is that you live on a little island for people not in Vancouver. It's about 15 minutes off the mainland called Bowen Island. Mm -hmm. And I said, do people ask you all the time how often you come over to the mainland? And you said, no, I do business across North America. Why would they care if I'm in the mainland or not? Mm -hmm. um, and I can tell you that it feels like a very special little place that, you know, you, you, for us that live on the mainland, you take a, a short ferry ride and, you know, you're over on an island and you so beautifully informed me that it's not always such a happy place because people are certainly of extreme, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, it continues to evolve. And I want to know how long you've been on Bowen and, and what brought you over to that island. I've been there for about 17 years, predominantly raised my son there. You know, he's push. he's going to be 19 in January. And uh, when my partner and I separated, I had, I had done some retreat work on Bowen. So I, I kind of went, you know, I really like this place. There's a, there's a feel about it. There's a very interesting feel to Bowen. And I, for myself, I needed a place where I could sort of heal and still be able to be close enough to the city and do work and whatnot. So Bowen, Bowen was the place that I went to. And then at the time, my ex-partner, her, her dad got really ill. Her mom got really ill. It, it was a little bit challenging. Um, Kieran wasn't really doing as well in school, you know, that we wanted. So I was able to have him come over to Bowen and, and have him be raised there, which really was the best case scenario, because it's one of those places where you know, really people don't lock their doors. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds goofy. Uh, people do go, there's a tree, go out and play with the tree as opposed yeah. to your techno, right? There's a whole, it's old school. It's how I was, how I was raised when, when I was, was we, and the community does take care of the community and yeah. it has a diversity to it. It's a little heavy Caucasian. It could have a little bit more diversity. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, however, and it is quite extreme. I, that's what I was talking about earlier. It has very extreme right and very extreme left, but there are, there are you know, people in the middle that are looking for some sense of common ground. Mm -hmm. You can't not have that in a, in a really small rural community, and it is a small rural community, but it has great wonderment to it. Mm -hmm. And even though there's great, at times, divide and differences in how people see things, there is opportunity for people to come to the table and figure out what are we going to do here and how are we going to make this work for everyone. So you, you see those things live in action happening. And I, I've, you know, I've stayed because I've found a bit of a tribe. You know, as, um, as a person on the LGBTQ scale, there's not many of us on the island. That said, I don't feel like I'm isolated or that people don't want to spend time with me or that anybody look to create any kind of issue for 
for me or my son. And in fact, if anything, I, I do a ton of other volunteer work that's, that's on the island. I don't even know how, I don't remember half of it. If you had people on Bowen and you were talking to them, they would say, oh, Yvonne does blah, 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 blah. I don't. <laughs> Um, but it's an island that's opened up and, and was very welcoming and, and allowed that to happen. Mm. So it has some, it has some um, terrific generosity and, and graciousness about it. Mm. I want to know, I want to riff a little bit on your extreme. And you were saying that, well, it has extremes. I think it's so beautiful that A, it has been a welcoming community and B, that you have found your people. But you spoke of people meeting in the middle just wanting to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what you think, not just on Bowen, but what, what do communities need right now to generate that common ground called how do we be happy and how do we work together? Because I think the reality is we've just finished an election. There clearly are opposing lefts and rights going on in larger communities. But at the end of the day, we're all a part of something smaller and therefore also something larger. But it sounds like you've been able to find that and navigate it and, and in fact be a leader in the community of the quest for happy. What has that been like? Well, you know, it comes with a state of mind. I did my PhD on technology and the advancement of technology and how that would, would impact communities and nonprofits. So I, I have a sense of what technology brings to the table and enhances, but then doesn't enhance. So when we take right. a look at the fabric of human connection, and as much as technology allows people some greater freedoms and access to information. It's also pulling away the fabric of how people come to have a sense of who they are, how they build relationships, how they understand what relationships are all about, how they problem solve, how they look to communicate to each other and with each other from a place of respect mm. and from a position of openness and willingness. And technology has really created more of an isolated type of thinking because we, we don't, we've never really taught it in balance. We've never really bridged the fact that you need face-to-face, -face, inclusive of technology. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is look at some of the stats that talk about what, what are some of the massive causes of, of, as an example, teenage suicide, and within the top three is going to be cyberbullying. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's, that's, kids not knowing, that's kids not thinking, that's kids acting out because they're upset and, and they don't know how to deal with their emotions or, or they don't really understand what's going on for them and just reacting impulsively without recognizing the, the, the bigger damage that they're, that they're going to be creating by just sticking behind a screen and, and a keyboard and typing out whatever garbage they're typing out and not thinking about the impact. And for some kids, the long-term impact of just saying saying whatever it is and that I'm just not speaking about kids you know yeah um, adults are in that frame too I think the more that we don't spend time uh, and we don't make it purposeful we don't make it purposeful that we need to spend time with each other that we need the face-to-face -face. you need to break bread with people you need to go out for a coffee you need to go out for a glass of wine you need to go for a hike you, whatever it is you need to spend time with people to be able to understand that everybody brings something to the table and it is about that human connection so you can take a look at the nuances of of tone of the type of words they're using of body language all of that matters and you lose all of that when you're just working through through technology so it has to be a balance and that's really what what it is that i work from and what it is that i try 
to support and get people to be engaged with when we're looking at you know, whether it's developing programs, a lot of my background is within the social service sector is teens and youths and families, addiction, mental health, recovery, and all of these elements are, are heavily played within how technology helps people understand who they are, where they fit, how they see themselves. Are they valued? I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants to know that they matter to somebody Mm. They matter to be in a community that they have something to contribute and that ultimately there's at least one person that cares. Mm. So when we, when we remove those elements for people to feel that and experience it, and it's all done through this other medium, it's a massive problem. And you see that, you see that now, this is where people take the time to be a little bit more considerate to hear different points of views or get so oppositional because somebody's point of view is, is different, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about who's supposed to be right or wrong or who's good or bad. It's, it's not about those things. It's really all about everybody walks the, in their, in their journey and does that journey a little differently. So we have to be able to give room to understand what that means. It doesn't mean that what everyone is doing all the time is on point and doesn't cause harm, but that also doesn't mean that, you know, what people are, are, are experiencing or putting out doesn't bring celebration or joy there. Again, it's all about a balance and that's where we've really fallen short. Hmm. So a lot of my work is spent on trying to get people to have some opera, like to be gracious Right? Not be so closed in and so narrow-minded and so tight in their thinking that they can't come to the table and kind of recognize, you know, listen, at the end of the day, we're all immigrants. I'm sorry. It's the indigenous people that sort of, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's indigenous people that kind of came to the whole skit to the, to that we're already here and everybody mm-hmm. else, wherever you're coming from is an immigrant. If you look mm-hmm. way back in your roots. So when we get caught in what it is that we should or shouldn't be doing, when we don't put parameters in place that can make sure everybody has support, whether you're from a different country or whether you were born and raised here, but you're struggling because you live below the poverty line. It's about a balance, making sure everybody has the basics of what they need to feel that they can, again, be a part of community, that they matter, Mm. that they're valued and they have an opportunity to participate. I don't think that's complicated. But maybe it's just me. I try to operate (laughs) off of that. I'm I'm starting to think as I get older, it is just me because I I don't get it. I don't get why there's such, there's all of this, you know, wackiness, this ugly, ugly stuff going on when there's so much more to learn. And don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I don't get pissed off and I don't get frustrated. And there'd be all kinds of people that say, oh, Yvonne is super intense. I totally am when I'm in my zone doing my thing. I totally am. But that is in no way indicative of what it is that I look at the world to go, you know, we're hurting Mother Earth. We're not paying attention. I think it's a super sad day that, you know, we have a 16-year-old young girl who's brave enough to stand up in front of the United Nations and call the adults out. And then they have to disable the comment section on Facebook because nutter dutters are, are just like screaming profanity at her I'm like what are we doing see this is what I'm probably this is what I'm talking about yeah and that kind of anger that kind of hate that kind of disconnect for me is all about fear is all about ignorance is all about not giving some room to listen and just hear people are not asking you to change who you are people are asking you to just listen and sit and reflect that's all that's all we're asking yeah 
Amen. Mm. Gosh, I feel like I could go on for a really long time with you. And I feel a sense of guilt that we're doing this over technology without looking at each other. And it's only for the betterment of this podcast. I don't take but... a good picture. So you're good to go, really. <laughs> no, really? that's not the truth. <laughs> but our final question that we ask and we wrap every podcast with, and we're okay. here already, is what is currently making your heart beat faster? And I asterisk this yeah. with what brings out the most intense, fiery version of the bond? Um, when, when I feel there's great injustice, mm. I get really intense. And, mm. and I mean that from, from a place of humility. Um, if, if, if I can have what it is that I can have, if I can have food on the table, a roof over my head, clothes on my back and people that care for me, then I, I think everyone else deserves that. So when there's systems or, or um, structures in place that don't make that possible for other people, that, that gets me, you know, I, it, it it fires me up. It breaks my heart because I, again, I just look at it differently to go, this is doable. And we yeah. just need to take a look at this from a different lens. Totally. Okay. So on the, I mean, not that it needs to end on a positive note, but <laughs> other than the injustice, is anything yes. making your heart beat faster today, Yvonne? You know, we have a lot of different young people that, that volunteer with, with Synergy and there's always hope and inspiration. You know, I feel mm -hmm. to some extent, yes, I always have that sense of there's this optimistic element of what can be different. And I just, I just thrive on the whole piece of that. There's, there's a whole crew of kids coming up that are like, we're, you know, we're trying to make it different. And if you guys join in with us, that would be great. I love the inclusiveness of that, right? It's yeah. not isolated. It's all about, it takes us all to try yeah. and figure this out and to come to the table. So the fact that there's, a, there's young people that are looking at that, even though for a lot of them, most of their experience is through technology, they get, they get that you need a combination thereof. Yeah. So that makes me very hopeful. Yeah. Hope is worthy of making your heart beat faster and community matters. And it's possible on a little island off the coast of the mainland. And it's possible within these cities if we are up for finding it. But it might mean that we need to put our technology down is what I have discovered. And break bread, as you say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can you tell me your top three favorite must-do eat or experience on Bowen Island? Must do eat or experiences on Bowen Island. Okay, if you can find it, to find the Mastodon elephant on Bowen Island. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a hike. Yeah. It's an amazing structure because it was handmade by a, a Bowen artist. It's phenomenal. If you can find it, you should do it because it's worth it. Love it. I might have had a secret tour guide to take us a secret there. to you cheated fafeted oh yeah, my god i didn't you're cheat fafeter. but i heard that you're not allowed to tell anyone where it is no that's you're not the magic. That's part so of the, i'm that's, with you that's part of the whole thing i'm a big legion proponent i'm the legion president at this moment in time of course you are only knows why anyone would let me let me do that but i'm a big proponent of the friday night dinners at the legion because it's 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 all you know homegrown food homegrown cooks it's such it's old school like it's you know it. it's that whole everybody gets together hang out kids families the whole nine yards you know some of our seniors telling stories of what their lives were like in the younger years you can't beat that that's super yeah. cool so friday nights at the legion rocks in my little humble opinion yeah and then you know for a good fish and chips yeah doc morgan's man i love it if you're if you're into fish and chips doc morgan's i love it 
Dr. Vaughn, I feel like a dink because there's so much more to do. And I should have I, never said that. I'm so going to live this down somehow I can feel it. Oh, it's such an honor. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you're doing. Vancouver is so lucky that you care and that you give as many shits as you do about community and making us better. I'm so uh, grateful and very humbled that you would uh, reach out and ask me to do this. Really, I, there are by far many more people doing much more. I'm just trying to do my little bit, but I'm, I'm very humbled at, at the opportunity to share. Thank you so Aww. much for thinking about reaching out. Well, go forth and have a great day. Okay, take care. <laughs> hey, before you go, I wanted to let you know about a really rad opportunity in Vancouver, BC. A company by the name of Tentree is looking for a VP of marketing and brand. It will be their first VP level hire that they've brought in from outside of their founder-led organization. And they're looking for this leader to come and help tell the story of what it's like planting trees around the world to really make an environmental impact. If you're interested in learning more, please drop me a line, steph at the corporate company.com.